Fitzgerald, 9.15 a.m. I've learned a lot about cowardice over the years. In particular, what I've learned is that there are three distinct levels. First, there's the base level of cowardice that's defined by primal fear, the fight or flight response. If something threatens your physical state of being, your mind and your body instinctively responds to shield itself, yourself against the threat of violence. You don't have time to think. You just hide, run, cry, or shit your pants. I've been in this situation. Like the time I accidentally forgot to take my iPhone out of my jacket pocket at work. I was supposed to drop it into the cell phone basket right outside the first of three S4 security gates. But I left it in my pocket. The metal detector clamored when I walked through and the two guards wielding Marine Corps issue M16A2s jumped to attention when I reached into my pocket to grab it. They drew their massive guns on me. Then they began barking orders I couldn't understand over the machine still going off. Lo and behold, everybody poops. There's a middle level of cowardice that's defined by regret. You know you're getting fucked and you know you should do something, but you aren't smart enough or brave enough to think of the right thing to do. I experienced this, this level when I caught my wife three years into an affair with a state farm agent. And she walked out on me because I didn't pay enough attention to her. A stronger man probably would have shown a little backbone, but I'm not a strong man. I just let her walk right over me, then out our front door. Every day since I've wanted that moment back in hopes that I would somehow find the courage just to do something, anything about it. Then there's a third level of cowardice, which is defined by despair. The threat you're facing isn't physical or situational, and it's really quite existential. This deep state of cowardice doesn't come on quick like the first two. Instead, it's the product of tens of thousands of cowardly micro-decisions over the course of a long period of time. You put yourself into a situation, like my moral job quandaries, and it's like being a vice, in a vice grip every day without you even noticing the decisions you're blindly making and the asinine orders you're accepting are slowly ticking cog by cog, tighter and tighter and tighter until you look up one day and you're utterly trapped. My name is C. Mary Hoffman, and I am your host. It's been an age, it feels like. This podcast has been kind of dormant, and it's been nobody's fault but my own. I've been swamped with other things, both personal and professional. Uh, but now, I felt it was time to pick it up again. I don't want to go, go into it. I think probably the best thing would be like a whole just show dedicated to me talking about uh what is new with the show uh what is coming up uh what is coming up professionally uh I, what i can say if you don't know um if you don't follow anything that i've done other than listening to the podcast if you go in uh if you look for wisconsin noir on facebook that is kind of like starting to become the hub where everything is going to take place i have moved 
moving slowly moving everything over from uh, the guild the writers artists and readers guild uh, site to uh, the Wisconsin Noir site which will be where everything takes place uh, you can go in like it on Facebook and from there you'll find the link to the web page uh, Wisconsin Noir where all the stories and everything like that are will be posted uh, what I do want to say is that I've had three drabbles, a uh, hundred uh, word uh, short stories, uh, accepted by Erie River Publishing, uh, or Erie River Press, and that will be coming out in April. But as I said, don't want to get into that too much, uh, because I think that'll be an episode in itself. Now, what we're going to do today is that we're talking to author drew starling who is the first horror author that we have on the podcast lovely talk with drew uh, and there'll be more podcasts more interviews coming uh, in the coming weeks uh, what you heard in the beginning was a reading from uh, drew's uh, an excerpt from uh, an anthology that drew is part of called storming area 51 kind of a science fiction horror we talk a little bit about that uh, Drew is a wonderful conversationalist, an excellent writer who's been uh, doing this for, for some time, but is finally getting, you know, taking up the courage to get published and everything like that. So, uh, but I think without further any further ado, I think we'll go straight to the interview. So uh, links and everything like that will be discussed at the end. Thank you. Well, uh Drew Starling, welcome to the Guild uh, podcast. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Yeah, and you have the distinct honor of being the first horror writer uh, to wow. be on this show. Because mostly the, what, what we've had before, basically kind of like speculative fiction and fantasy. Okay. So Well... So, right. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you were the first indie, real indie author, but uh, that that actually that honor goes to Jonathan Fessmeyer. Uh, uh -huh. The other the other ones are kind of like indie, but I've always gotten contact with them through that they their actual publisher. They've published like one piece of fiction through a, ma a more major publisher. So excellent. So yeah, yeah. I, I love being an indie author. It's, yeah. it's really a lot of fun. Yeah. So actually we could probably start start there. How long have you been been writing fiction? Yeah. So honestly, I've probably been writing um for years and years. Um but I only recently got up the courage to put it out there. Mm -hmm. And that's been about a few months, really seven or eight months. And um it's been an interesting process to discover how to start. And uh, I've done, in that time, I've done a collaborative novel. Um, and I've done uh, a, about 15 short stories. And I'm working on a, a solo novel, which the solo novel was actually the thing that got me into it in the first place. And mm -hmm. so it's been a really wild ride. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, that's very because this. I mean, this podcast is about a lot about the creative process, and I kind of like try to balance like what my own experiences and you know find links and see if other authors think the same. But I mean, I'm very much the same as as I said before we started, you know, recording right. that I that it's like somewhere down the line I had to decide like this is a make or break point. I really want to put my 
you know, yeah. put my nose to the grind and start. And that's been probably about two or three years, but it's only been like the last two years maybe that I send stuff in because I've always had that doubt, like this isn't good enough. Do you, <laughs> have you dealt with that doubt yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, the biggest hurdle, I still have a full-time job. I need to have that, you know, it's mm. not like I'm jumping into, you know, honestly, like if in five or 10 years, this becomes full-time, that would be amazing, but I'm not expecting anything. I'm truly trying to keep it in my own head as something that I enjoy to do as a hobby. I really like to have a life where I'm doing other things other than my job. And this has been a good creative outlet for me because I'm, I really like having a creative outlet in mm. such our, you know, stressful world. And, um, the rejection thing is, um, I think one of the benefits of being an indie author is there are so many, um, indie publishers mm -hmm. uh, Erie River is one that's how we got connected yeah um, there's another wonderful group called the author Alliance which is a Facebook group and so much connection happens over Facebook that in a lot of ways it's easier than ever to be published certainly like there are standards but you don't have to query agents and publishers yeah. and you don't have to do that to get your name um, at least in the horror fiction genre um, in in a book and, and I thought that was so cool. And, um, you know, these are little or, um, publishing houses that put out what, a, you know, anthology calls five or six times a year. Mm -hmm. And they give you some parameters. You send something in that fits those parameters. You usually have, I don't know, maybe a 50, 50 shot or a 25% shot of getting in, which is a lot higher <laughs> than yeah. querying, you know? And so it's been a real, confidence booster too to be able to participate in these anthologies that you know you send something in and then you get the little email back saying congratulations you've been accepted and then you get the contract yeah. and then it comes out and then you get the book in the mail and these are all just little confidence boosters that i don't know if authors had at their disposal 10 or 20 years ago because it was all so monolithic you had to go through big publishers and so i've been really grateful for all these wonderful indie publishers that I've been working with. Um, and it's been a great outlet for me. Yeah. I, I, I understand. I understand that like that first thing you were talking about Erie river publishing and we're both being published in the, uh, um, the forgotten, forgotten ones, ones uh, anthology. Oh yeah. And that was oh, a real, and that was my first, well, I did, I did want win like a, a short story, uh, contest, you know, a couple of years back. And that was a, I mean, nothing really, not much came of it, uh, but that was a confidence boost. And it's just Absolutely. like, uh, but this was, I think, more of a confidence boost because it was actually like real in a different, different way. I mean, there's going to be a book form and oh, I yeah. think it, it sparked my creativity so much. Um, and I, I mean, yeah. I can definitely understand what you're talking about. Uh, like when I, like, I mean, I did try to submit a manuscript um 10 years ago to tour uh, and oh, i mean yeah. even back to, even then you know 10 years ago the landscape was completely different yeah and uh, i mean obviously you, you get a rejection letter and you're pretty sure that they haven't even you know uh -huh. read a single piece um but but i mean this was just and i think because it's a you know a hundred word drabble 
Yeah. Um, that does something too, because I mean, I was, I, I'm, I'm very wordy. I'm very, oh, yes, very too. bad at, at keeping it short. It's a great exercise. Yeah. And I had never even heard of that as a format before this. And, you know, there are, I'm working on a submission for another Erie River, um, for, it calls for the forest, yeah. uh, which is about weird things that happen in the woods. And that's going to be five or 6,000 words. And yeah, I don't know if it'll get accepted, obviously, <laughs> but you know, 100 words is such a interesting exercise. I yeah. feel like I'm almost in a grade school in a test and it's like, okay, you've got to do it this way and you've got to solve this little problem. And, um, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. These little travels. Yeah. And I, I had to actually, have, I found, uh, a page called Drabbler that just uh-huh. gives you like a little square. You're supposed to fill in what you're writing and it counts the words for you. Oh, nice. All I the time. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, just Google Drabbler, D R A B L. Are. Uh, Interesting. And then you can put people put it because I, as you said, I didn't know what a drabble was. I had never heard yeah. of it before. I came in contact with Erie River through a a, a web a Facebook group, just like like you called like um, call for submissions. Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah. they they've just posted this once, yeah. the forgotten ones once, and the rest has been like it's all poetry or it's art and stuff like that. And I was just yeah. like. Well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I put it in my saved and it's like, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I was accepted and I wrote Beautiful. two more and they were accepted as well. So Beautiful. But you were talking about, uh, and side note, I've also, I've sent in two things for It Calls from the Forest as well. But oh. you, you're a horror writer. Uh, and so, so what makes you choose horror fiction as a, as a genre? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think honestly first and foremost is, uh, I don't think I'd be good at writing anything else. Um, (laughs) and I, you know, my, my brain seems to really, um, come alive and I get really excited when there are scary things. Um, it's going to sound ridiculous, but like I still have, you know, I'm 35 years old and, we live in this, my wife and I and our dog live in this big old building and in the basement, there's this boiler room and it's dark and it's just, things are falling all over the place. And, you know, it's like if, if the lights go and there's this light that's on a timer mm-hmm. and like, even just, I'm thinking to myself while I'm in there, Oh my God, if the light goes out, what's going to happen. And these sort of things still get me going, get my juices going. And I love horror stories. I love horror movies. Um, horror movies seem to really stick with me in a way that other movies don't. And I think partially, I don't know if this is something that other people think, but for some reason, you know, there's so much, you know, my wife and I read a lot of fiction as well. Mm -hmm. And I have a ton of friends that are really into reading nonfiction. And I work in a very nonfiction oriented world in the real world. And in so many ways, that stuff is actually scary. <laughs> and I don't want to read that. I want to really be scared by something that is actually pushing my imagination, but safe. And I love good stories. You know, I loved fantasy stories, fantasy mm. video games as a kid. And this is kind of merging those two things for me. And I get to now be the one who crafts these, and it's been really fun. And, um, you know, I can feel like when I really have a good one, like a good story. Yeah. Um, 
or a good passage or part of a story that I, I know is it, it just it really just kind of flows out. And there are other parts where, you know, I'll be writing a transition between two scary moments and like I really, really struggle with it because maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not so naturally inclined to tell the story of, okay, well then how did they get from the car park yeah. over to the garage? You know, like they got from the car park over to the garage, you know, <laughs> but how do you dress that up? And so it, I have, I've tried to study a lot of really like authors who I respect that do that kind of thing well, that, that balance the pacing and the horror, you know, and like I've tried to get better at reveals and how, you know, that kind of a thing is tricky once you get in a longer form. So um, it's been a fun challenge. It just feels like something I can naturally write. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm scared to write anything else. <laughs> That's really it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause I mean, uh, I, I gravitate to more towards horror and suspense today than I did when I was younger. Cause I fancied myself. I wanted to be like a, you know, high fantasy author. That was always my, my goal. Oh yeah. I could never do that. But no way. I think in time I've realized I'm actually not that good at it. And I think in there somewhere mm. is, is the rub of it. Maybe that's why I was never, I never wanted to, I never dared publish anything because my fantasy work was actually never good. Right. And I've come to, to realize now that I'm more of a dystopian science fiction slash horror yeah horror sci-fi kind kind of guy and and i mean i'm i'm okay with that i said i still think i have the dreams of of creating this big old big fantasy world and maybe it'll be more grim dark i don't know right but what what kind of is that was that your vision too was it always horror or have you felt like you might dabble in other things it was always horror um Michelle River and um and I and Alana, the other woman who runs Erie River, um, we 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 came together working on a collaborative novel um, called Storming Area Fifty One, mm-hmm. which was about the raid that sort of never happened. Yeah. Um, but that was sci-fi. I mean, it was horror and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But I was really uncomfortable for a lot of it because I was like, this is not. I think it really came out well, but it was such a challenge because I didn't think of myself as a sci-fi writer. Um, and it's, it's, uh, I, I really just like sticking to the horror genre now. Um, maybe I'll get into like a more traditional thriller type of thing, but I, I just like the scariness. I don't know. I like the, the seediness, the like, I like being in a, you know, a Stephen King novel and feeling like, Oh man, he's going to go somewhere where he's not supposed to go <laughs> yeah. with this. And I liked being able to do that myself. And um, for now, I think I'm going to stick to horror. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we t- we talk about that, what what do you? Because I I find as as I move into horror more, and then maybe that's the short form. Maybe I'm a, a you know a short form horror writer, and whatever yeah. else it will be the long form. Because I as as just as you, I have a a, a finished book that I'm. I'm looking to to submit to a nice. publisher, but it's more of a suspense crime uh, crime novel. Okay. Uh, which it, was, it wasn't meant to be from the beginning, but it kind of takes on a life of its own. Um, but what I, what kind of so so I'm more of like a Lovecraftian cosmic horror 
style because oh, yeah. because that was what i was raised on the first real horror stories that i read were lovecraft uh fritz lieber all those guys um but so so what kind of horror is is your horror yeah um I, it's a great question um and it's a great question because i feel like i also find horror moments in other um, in other writers and other genres that I like try to pick apart. So I'll give you an example in a minute, but I, I do love Stephen King, although I, I do find that sometimes his novels are like a little bit tough to get through and really mm. wordy, but really good at scares. Um, I do like Dean Koontz. He's a little bit more, I feel like digestible. Yeah. If, if um, I may count in there, Dean, when Dean Koontz is really good, he's like, write some of the best horror but when he, yeah. he when he's not that great he's probably yeah. one of the worst horror I know, writers i know i hate to say i'm, I'm not going to say the title but i'm in the middle of one of his right now and i'm like i can't make it through <laughs> uh because it just is it feels a little not not really my style um you know lovecraft is awesome and i'm actually um i'll tell you what lovecraft um one of the scariest movies i've ever seen was and and scared, they're so hit and miss. But I saw yeah. this movie called uh, the Banshee Chapter. Okay, no, no, which I you never, of course, you've never heard of it. It's just, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. But it it basically takes an old Lovecraft story, and um, like some of the stuff he writes is just bonkers. And, yeah. and um, I'm actually sort of um, in my the thing that I'm going to send in for it calls from the forest is actually inspired by that mm -hmm. um and uh you know it, it, yeah i just i also just kind of find like uh you know i read recently i read um uh cormac mccarthy's old country for no men yeah. uh, oh, sorry no country for old men <laughs> uh and i had seen the movie about a half dozen times which i love and uh you know i, I was drawing a lot of horror elements from that kind of a thing like you know maybe more traditional sort of serial killer thriller mm. um for this other piece that i recently published and i like that kind of being able to draw horror from other places um as opposed to just like you know monsters and stuff like yeah i i try to i don't know it's not a great answer but i, I try to find the horror moments in everything i just read a bunch of um spy novels and mm -hmm. you know there's horror in those i yeah, mean absolutely. it's the horror of the unknown sort of like uh big brother um gestapo like th these are all kind of horror elements if you really want to run with them and so um i actually don't read horror exclusively obviously but like try to look for those moments in everything that i look for and mm -hmm. everything that i read yeah yeah no i'm i'm reading because uh, for for like I'm review going to review a book that comes out here in in I think it comes out in May by Stephen Stephen Jones, and it's called um, something about Indians. I can't remember the title now, but it's a it's supposed to be a horror story, but it has like huh. no real horror elements in it either. It's just more creepy. Yeah. And how how normal I guess they feel like certain things are that is like happening to them. Um, and I think that's hmm. kind of like the horror part. Um, but yeah, no. So, so 
what are authors that you mentioned Stephen King, Dean Koontz? How about, because as I, I transition into more horror, I've also found that I want to dig, dig into horror more and what is out there in this whole world of, of stuff that I never knew existed, like opened up to me. Um, discovering people like like Brian Keane and Richard Chismar and and Joel R. Lansdale it's like are you like the modern type of of horror like the splatterpunk stuff like that is that something that interests you at all um yeah I'm probably more inclined to the modern stuff I mean you know I've read a lot of I'm from Baltimore Maryland which is where Edgar Allan Poe is from Mm -hmm. and so I kind of grew up with him and I guess really the first horror author that I read was R.L. Stein with all of his Goosebumps books. <laughs> if um, you're American, that's usually how you come in is contact that right? with. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but you know, I mean, some of those classics. I mean, uh, you know, Mary Shelley, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. obviously. But like, I've I've been more in the sort of Dean Koontz, um, Stephen King. Joe Hill, I think, is pretty good. He's uh, obviously um, uh, Stephen King's son. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some others that I've read recently. I haven't read a lot of horror recently, believe it or not. I- I'll say this, too, though. I've been spending a lot of time reading some of the indie authors. So I think that there's this, like, there's this interesting interesting phenomenon where, you know, it's, it's, it's in many ways um, a lot easier to get published because there are sort of these indie publishers or self-publishing. And, um, you know, I, I read, uh, I read a novel, um, by this other, um, sort of indie author, SF Barkley, um, which is based on a Reddit series, which, um, you know, I'm reading, I'm finding, finding myself more actually reading some of these indie authors in the horror world. Um, and, you know, I've been able to get in contact with some of them and like collaborate with them on some stuff and like, spending a lot of time seeing what they're doing because they come from a lot of different viewpoints and they're very accessible. When I read something like Joe Hill or Stephen King, it's, it's there, but he's in a different world. It's static in so many ways. But, um, what's really interesting I've found about the indie horror scene is that, um, you know, for, well, this is SF Barkley one, for instance, is based on a, a Reddit, no sleep, um, series, which is like an organic, way to you know get your work out there and tell short stories to an organic audience and um a lot of people are doing this sort of style mm-hmm. um michelle river uh alana um robertson the erie river ladies they've both done that i actually haven't done the reddit thing yet but the, the yeah so so there, i don't know i i actually in terms of horror readers that i'm reading uh, writers that i'm reading it's really actually my mostly sort of these indie writers which has really been fun mm-hmm. yeah for me i guess it's it's trying to get inspiration and see how they do things i mean you have brian king yeah. who who's a prolific uh, zombie writer uh, yeah. with his rising series and stuff like that and um so it's kind of like when i try to write a horror for this one of these uh, competitions that erie river has for their for their writers um, that they have those monthly competitions. Yeah, uh, I, I I was gonna zombie was a theme, and I was just like, well, I do kind of have a zombie idea, but oh, let's let's read some zombie stuff and see what what yeah. the others are doing. 
which is basically maybe like the wrong way of looking at it because you want to have your own voice. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. It's, it's it goes both. I mean, it's both ways. Yeah. It I don't know. I kind of do it a little bit differently, I think. And and if like there's a call for something, um, I mean, the the thing that I struggle with the most is having good ideas. Hmm? And getting creative ideas and like once I get a creative idea, I can really do a lot with it. But like, I really, really struggle. I, I would, I would love to write more, but frankly, I just don't have enough ideas to fill all these anthology calls that are out there. <laughs> a good ideas, at least, you know. And um, yeah, I, I'm thinking like my calls from the forest one is is actually. Uh, sort of based on the novel, but also like a little bit based on this Lovecraft thing. Mm. Um, the one that I did before that, um, for, uh, black hair press is, is, uh, is actually based kind of on a mix of a star Wars character. Mm. Plus, uh, the sheriff from no country for old men. Cause <laughs> I had just read that. Um, there's this amazing, actually I've been reading a bit of fantasy lately. Um, I've been reading this N.K. Jemisin series, the Broken Earth trilogy, and um, that the way that she wrote those really is like, you know, I want to try to write something like mm. that. It was um, in second person present tense, yeah. And I thought that was really wild, and um, so I tried to write something like that, and I have that one. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I don't have a as I hopefully get better at writing and better at thinking about writing, hopefully I'll honestly get a better process because I don't, I don't really have one. I just sort of get lucky if I have yeah. an idea or not. Because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> like I didn't have a zombie idea, so I didn't submit. And, and I <laughs> didn't. Know, it's just is what it is. Yeah, and I didn't have a witch idea from the beginning either, uh, because the, the monthly contest now is witches, and I didn't. I, I was just like, I'm just gonna skip witches because I mean, exactly. I, yeah. I have no experience with witches, and then I was just lay, <sighs> lying in my bed you know, going to, going to sleep. And I was thinking, witches. and I was just thinking about witches and it's like, do you want modern witch? And it's just yeah. kind of free formed. And then it was just like middle ages. Yeah. Those are witches, but then we're like, how would you do? Well, how would you do that? And then I was just like, where could I put it if it wasn't middle ages? And then I was just like, well, the, you know, wild west. Yeah. So, and then it just kind of came to me and the story just took shape. And awesome. all of a sudden, I had a witch story about, you know, in the wild west, in the set in the wild west, people come in contact with, uh, with an old Beautiful. bruja, and uh, mistreat her. That and, actually is really cool. And get you, they mistreat her, and then they they pay for it. Yeah. And it was kind of, kind of based on the bloody benders. If you, uh -huh. the serial killer family, I was kind of yeah. like thinking of the, the along the same same lines. The so, Bloody Benders, were they the ones that opened a hotel or something? No, that was H.H. H. Holmes. Bloody Blenders were in the Wild West, and they had like kind of a, almost like an inn. The people, travelers oh, yeah. would come, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they did. This, is the, one, this uh, is the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's yeah, the one you're they, thinking of. And they were all, were they like a family, but not really a family? Yeah, they were kind of a family, but maybe incestuous, or maybe. Yes. They, yeah. <laughs> and they vanished. Oh, yeah, I, I know all about them. Yeah. Um, my wife listens to this podcast, My Favorite Murder. I don't okay. know if you've heard that, but they, they no. covered that in depth. <laughs> yeah. I think Lore, which is a podcast that I oh, listen yeah. to, just to be more mainstream because I don't think that's that unique. Uh, but I think he had to. But this, actually, I, I read, learned about them um, reading it in a, in a comic book. 
Uh, there's oh. this comic book series uh, from the 80s called like Victorian Murders, um, where the 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 author has kind of like taken documents from like real cases and then he kind of made a comic book out of them. So there's a bunch of different ones. Interesting. But uh, the Bloody Benders, yeah, they actually are in. A, they were in a different story that I was writing, kind of like a steampunk story. Hmm. But there were the benders, but these guys the in the witch story they don't uh, exist. They're just inspiration. But speaking of that, how does your how so how does your process work when you when you write when you get an idea? Do you base it around a character, uh, or do you base it around the actual idea and then throw characters in it that might fit? Or how does it? How do you get to where yeah. you want to be? It's a great question, and I wish, again, I had a better system for it. But I think the thing that, like, um, the thing that I have to, before I actually start writing anything, the thing that I've got to feel good about in my head is the conflict and the puzzle. And then, you know, the characters kind of fill themselves in. And maybe maybe that's not the right way to do it, but, like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um so this novel that I'm working on, uh, the thing, the very first thing that came to me was the like the reveal of a monster of, of the thing. Mm-hmm. And um, as you know, in any book or comic or, or a horror movie, the reveal of the monster is such an important thing, and it is such a great opportunity to scare your audience. And um, I had this experience which scared the crap out of me and um was very unique and was all in my head uh and um this story sort of built itself out from there and the main character ended up being um someone who actually was you know i mentioned earlier that i struggle with like the interstitial moments of okay well then they go over there and then they went over this way and then the next day and what I ended up doing was actually, in order to make those moments better, making the lead character revolve around those moments so that they were sort of experiencing it with the audience at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably, you know, in line with what the audience's level of skepticism might be. Um, and that's how, like, my main character came. It was really kind of a reaction to everything else. So. I don't know. Maybe that means that I'm not writing strong characters, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like I, to me, if it's horror, it's got to have a really good scare. It's got to have a really good conflict. It's got to have a really good puzzle. Mm. And, you know, I, you know what I think of a movie like Saw? Yeah. And I can't, I don't remember any of the characters beyond Jigsaw. And, and these are people that are just kind of going through the, the, the scares mm. and, and the devices. And in a lot of ways, I kind of think of it that way too, where is if I've got the scare, I can really kind of plug in anybody I want. Um, I would love to get to a place, you know, I mean, Charles Dickens writes amazing characters. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you know, I'm not that kind of writer. And I know mm. that. Um, and I want to work on my characters, but to me right now, I think it starts with the scare, with the conflict, and then okay. builds itself around there. Yeah. I think I think I'm not completely opposite, but I focus yeah. a lot on characters. 
Uh, my wife gets really annoyed with me because I can sit. Oftentimes, I just listen in on people's conversations when we're out. You know. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no, but some people 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 generally don't whisper when they're out, so you kind of hear. Uh-huh. And I'm a teacher by trade, so it's kind of my job to listen to 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 what people are saying and and you know what the, their ambitions and what they want and try to inspire them. So so this I have a, I have a difficult time filtering out the noise, you know, yeah. ignoring it. But it can be like you know I I can look at a person if I'm sitting on the train or I'm at a restaurant and I'm just like, I wonder what that person's story is. And they'll do something or they'll look a certain way. And I'm thinking, you know, now that just happened. Yeah. And then I save that. And then I build a character around it. So do you step, you, you're saying you typically start for your horror stuff. Do you start with the characters and then build a, a I, conflict in on that character and make it, you know, that way? Well, what what happened now is like I had the witch story, and I knew kind of like what the what the story, what the plot was going to be. Uh, you right. know, it's going to be a witch, and she's going to live in an adobe house in the desert uh, on the Mexican border. Oh, that's you know, awesome! To Texas, I can see it. Now. But why are the people coming there? What? Why are they there? And who is going there? So I felt I needed a posse, right? That's the yeah, reason yeah. why people get there because they're chasing somebody. <laughs> And then I think, well, how many people are in a posse? Well, I need four people. And then I took four characters that mm-hmm. I had, kind of like a superstitious character that I knew of from before, a rationalist, the sheriff, uh, the young the young gun, and then the storyteller, the narrator. So they were five, but the narrator barely does anything in the story at all. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of built them out of there out of those characters like who who do i know that is like this who is the rationalist yeah. in my in my world and then i just throw him in the story so um sometimes people i work with will recognize that that's very similar to me yeah 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 if i let I, them read stuff I, I i i do something a little bit similar and i hope no Particular people in my life don't read certain things because they'll know it's them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think my bosses at work definitely oh need, definitely don't need to read my stuff because they've been yeah. in certain stories where they play lead roles, uh-huh. like the, like bosses. But yeah, I would say that not their best amazing. traits come out. <laughs> yeah, amazing. And I think David Gemmel, uh, the fantasy author. Uh, gotten got fired from his job because he wow. did that. Um, so that's that's dedication right there. <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, but then he also has an award named after him, so I think he, I know. Uh, he's, he's it worked okay. out well for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, do you find it difficult? I mean, you were talking about that. You know, inspiration doesn't come often or it's difficult. I mean, is, is it a struggle for you? Cause I just listened to Joe. I mean, speaking of Joe Hill, I just listened to him on the horror show podcast where uh-huh. he said that he doesn't particularly r- like to write. He likes it when it's done. He likes the finished product, but he doesn't actually enjoy writing. Yeah. And, and so do you find it, do you find it a struggle to write? No, I don't find it a struggle to write. I really enjoy writing especially when i feel like i know i've got something good 
but I really struggle to get good ideas and ideas that pass my smell test. Um, and I will scrap something if I don't feel like it's not a good idea. Like, you know, and, and what I've found is that um, I can only dress something up, you know, a, a bad idea mm-hmm. up so much. And if it's a good idea, then it becomes really easy. And I just struggle with the ideas. And um, I'm, I'm, it's still something I really need to work on because it's not something that comes easily. Um, I, I'll give you an example of one. One of my first, um, one of my core bigger pieces that got published um, uh, was called The Texting Game. Mm-hmm. And I literally got inspired by that. Uh, by hearing this stupid ad on the radio about people that were doing this game with their cell phones where they were texting the number above them and below them okay. and just saying hi and seeing what's out there. Mm-hmm. And that luckily was enough to spark it on a total, like a serial killer based on that idea. You could imagine where that would go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like, what, what's it called? The one uh, there's a movie with, I think with like Ryan Philippi, um, about like a trucker that they taunt somehow. It kind of like becomes uh, the same thing. Oh, I know. I think I think it's I think you're thinking of Paul Walker. Is that, oh, is it Paul Walker? Is maybe. It, yeah. Could yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the woman's name is Candy Cane or something. Yes, I that's don't know. right. Yeah, Candy Cane. Yeah, Candy Cane coming in. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I feel like I got lucky that like, if I had not had I not heard that ad, I wouldn't have come up with the idea. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. So I don't know. I, I really need to get better at that. Maybe I need to do some psychedelics or something. But, you know, I I just I wish I had more ideas because if I had more ideas, I'd have a lot more material. Mm. <laughs> it's the hardest part by far. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, and I completely agree. I, although I feel like sometimes I have a plethora of ideas. And I think that that's why I kind of like this whole thing of, of monthly contests and open submissions that these yeah. indie publishers are doing because you kind of get, you know, it, at the end of, you know, February 15th, it's got to be done. I know. It calls from the forest has to be in. That's good. Don't I remind need, me. No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, need, I need that deadline. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, because uh, luckily, actually, with, and I'm not going to say that I didn't struggle with it calls from the forest, but I actually had two, two stories already prepped for, Amazing. for other things. So I just kind of rewrote them a little bit to fit them in a forest setting a little bit. That's great. Figured that's great. It can't hurt. Yeah. So, so, but, um, yeah, no, I think the, the idea, I don't understand. Cause if you, and I think that's probably a bad thing to do when you look at the Erie river author group on Facebook, certain people seem to just be, be writing stuff like all the time. They just spit out oh, stories all the time. It's and, incredible. I can't do that. No. Um, and then Alana maybe, is someone I mentioned earlier. Alana Robertson Webb has this incredible output, and I just don't understand. I think some people are just, and they're good ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't understand. Natalie Brown is another one I work with a lot who just is in everything, and I just don't. I don't have a a quarter of that output. I just couldn't do it mentally. No, I, I think also because I have a job that that where the spoken word is or the written word is very important. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I do read a lot of texts. I read a lot of uh, yeah. students' texts, and they uh, work with write with the writing part a lot. And it gets very tiring. You know, I come home, 
and I just don't have the energy to sit down because I, I could, you know, I can't look at another word yeah, because it's just too much. Um, I hear you. So. Yeah. I'm often drained as well. And I just can't, can't write <laughs> for long periods of time. So tell me a little bit about, uh, cause we're probably going to wind down here in a bit. I mean, it's lovely to talk sure. to you, but, um, Talk, tell me a little bit about this this uh, the novel that you're working on. Where are we in the completion? What is the yeah. next? What what are the next steps? I mean, I don't want to stress you in, in oh, no, no. <laughs> about it, uh, but I mean, it's always interesting as one, somebody who has a uh, you know a novel and is in the process of everything as well. Yeah, so it's really um, it's uh, the outline is totally done. The characters are totally done, the plot's done, the mythology is done. And I did it a little bit backwards where I kind of just vomited out a draft of something. Mm. And I got it edited and chopped around a little bit. And then that gave me really the ideas for, okay, I'm going to do the rewrite. So really, the initial write took me probably a week and a half. But the rewrite has taken me months. And the reason is because the rewrite is for me going to be the process that really actually makes it what it is going to ultimately be. And um, I have this notion in my mind that like, I think distance, just time gives you, gives me at least perspective. And so it's taken me a while. um, And really only kind of halfway through my rewrite, did I redo the mythology? Did I redo the outline? Just because, I don't know. I, I needed to get, again, this is not something I have a really great process for at all. Um, but I'm almost finished the rewrite. And once that happens, I will get it edited and um, get it reviewed. Um, hopefully by, ugh, I, I don't have a deadline. Um, I'd love to have it out in the world by June 1st, but that feels really close now. Mm. Did you, Um, did you, have you decided, are you self-publishing this book? I have not decided that. And it's a really interesting, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest questions I have. And I'm, I'm trying to not think about that because I think there are a lot of pros and cons. And I think that what I've discovered are there are three general ways that you can go about it. You can self-publish, which is really popular, mm-hmm. takes a lot of work, but is really lucrative, gives you a lot of creative control. Well, 100% creative control. It seems like a great option. Then there's the other side of the spectrum, which is going through the traditional publisher route, agents, queries, all that, mm-hmm. which I guess is appealing, um, You know, only because that's what I've been told is, is supposed to be appealing <laughs> yeah. for my entire life. Yeah, but it seems really awful, honestly, like process wise and, you know, them editing it and doing all this. I don't know. But there's this middle ground, which is these sort of indie publishers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've been looking at some of these publishing houses that have been around for maybe five or 10 years that do smaller things that specialize in horror that are a little bit in between. And I think that might be the right way for me, although I'm not I don't know yet. And um I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I think that it might depend on the finished product. Yeah. To be totally honest, have you decided what you're going to do with well, this? Yeah, well, kind of. Because uh, um, my wife and I just had a discussion, as it mm-hmm. were, about that when I last 
because I I did get my my book professionally edited, and yeah. it cost a lot of money. I mean, it does. It is an investment. Uh, depending on where you go, uh, I just yeah. kind of wanted to get it edited, and I didn't have any experience of where I could go, talk to a lot of different people, and then finally chose one. Um, and I mean. It's fine. Not super happy with the edit. I mean, it's good because it sounds great, but it felt like the editor that that looked at it wasn't super familiar with the style uh-huh. that I was going for. And basically the only comments I got were like, I don't do people understand what a candy striper is. Uh. And I was just like, well, it's set in the 50s. So it's a common term, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I... I I found this amazing editor on Upwork, believe it or not. Her name's Jessica Black. And she and I have been working together. She's like a horror editor. Mm -hmm. It's really been great. She was so detailed, um, you know, doing stuff like uh, I I put in a movie, a Bollywood movie, which is like, (laughs) seriously, a Bollywood movie. Like, yeah, and the main character goes on Netflix and blah, blah, blah. and And she was so thorough. That she corrected me and said, I just looked. This is not on Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. It's not on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what you need. That's the kind of editor oh, yeah. you want. And Because I, I, I had been approached by an editor on Twitter, uh, I think, when I had put out. Because I was doing these updates, like, oh, so, so and so many words down, blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, you know, send me your first thousand words. I'll do an, a free edit of those. Mm-hmm. You say you li- if you like it or not, and we can go from there. And she was really thorough. She was just like, you know, it sounds like they're in the 50s because before then it wasn't really set. Yeah. They don't reveal where it is. You're supposed to know it from like the make of the cars, kind of like what they oh, wear. Yeah. And she's just like, so it sounds so, I, I would assume that this is the type of car you're talking about that they're driving. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, that sounds good. But she was so expensive. It was like oh, yeah. so and so many yeah. cents a word. And my book as the finished draft like clocks in at like a hundred and fifty thousand. Oh my! It's gonna need to get cut down, maybe. But <laughs> that's huge, yeah. But that that's huge, and and so I was kind of like, well, I'll go with this cheaper editor because they got gave me a deal. You get two hundred thousand words edited for this, and that would good because that would cover two stories basically. Yeah, a, like a young adult fiction that I'm working on. But then I was saying like. The other the last week, I said, "I'm thinking I'm going to self-publish this book." And my wife's just like, "But we invested money in well, it being edited. Do you, because it, that means that I have to get a you know cover, yeah, and, and that's going to cost money." And she says, "Why don't you just shop it around, and give it a chance?" And I was just like, "But I don't know if anybody actually wants to read it. I mean, who? I don't know who the market." I mean, who it's marketed for, because it's kind of like in between. It's a little bit of a suspense. It's a little bit of crime. And it's a guy that's kind of like a vigilante. So I yeah. don't know where it fits. You know what I would do if I were in your shoes is. I think that no offense to your wife, but I think that it's good that you got the edit because regardless, you need to edit it before you put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um and you should have that done by a professional, and you did. Um, but you might want to look at some of these sort of indie publishers and maybe think about, you know, just sending the first three chapters off to some mm-hmm. some of these folks and saying, "Hey, I'm shopping this project around. 
here's three chapters. Let me know if you'd like to read more. Yeah. And and these are things that don't require an agent. Um, and maybe see what that leads to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I that, don't know. yeah, no, and I've looked up and I found several publishers actually that. T- take on it agented or unsolicited uh, manuscript so i'm gonna look at that i'm just gonna finish the read through of the edit and, and then we'll see where it goes and then because my my goal was also like you kind of have it done by summer and have it put out on amazon and barnes and noble and kind of like just at least i have something out there you know yeah uh but i mean there's you know there, i guess there's something to be said i really wanted to get published by angry robot just because I kind of like their books. Uh-huh. Uh, but they only have submission, open submissions like one month out of the year. Right. Yeah, luckily I don't have a particular publisher that I'm like yearning to be published by. <laughs> <laughs> I think Angry Robot is still kind of like setting the bar a little low. It's not like they're a big publisher at all. Yeah. Uh, but I just happen to like their books. Uh, That's but, great. But so what's next for you now? You've got... You're sending in your your next book that you're going to be featured in is Forgotten Ones. And, yeah. And what is ne- what is after that? Do you have anything else coming out? Well, I actually think Forgotten Ones isn't coming out until April, and so I've got um, I have uh, trying to remember here. So Black Hair Press is another indie publisher that I submit to, and I've got a couple of those coming out in February. Mm-hmm. Um, so one is um, called 2020, and it's a really cool project because it's benefiting. They're an Australian publisher, and okay. it's, it's a project that's benefiting um, the bushfire tragedy that happened in um, Australia. Mm-hmm. So I have a story in that, and that'll be in late February. Um, they're also doing a Drabble book, um, which is like little love stories. It's called okay. Love. Um, they have a big series of these. That's also coming out in February, I believe. Um there's another Drabbles one from them called Oceans, which is um, I'm retelling a true story about where I almost died scuba diving. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was actually true. It was like an autobiographical horror. Um, I think that one's in April as well. And then yeah, Erie Rivers um, Forgotten Ones is in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, another one that I need to write for. Um, called Horror for Hire, which is through the Author Alliance group that I'm part of, um, which is about workplace horror, which I have so many. Like, I could just write an entire <laughs> anthology myself on scary stories from work. Uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be a busy summer yeah. and spring, um, and all the while trying to finish this novel. Yeah. And this has been my approach the whole time, is, you know, I don't know how to do this. Like, I'm just trying from scratch and like it's been my thought that if I do some short stories and get some work published before I launch this novel then maybe it'll do better so mm-hmm. that's the like the goal now and and I luckily have really enjoyed the short story part of it yeah yeah no I mean I enjoy it too um, I'm submitting something in March for dark region press oh nice uh, it's called survive the night and the, okay. and the goal is that you're supposed to have three, I think three people at dusk, and only one gets to survive. Oh, I morning. love that. So, so, um, so yeah, and it was eight thousand words. Most. Oh my god, is that the minimum or the maximum? That's the what? maximum. Eight thousand is max, and I'm unfortunately wow. at like nine thousand. I have to 
edited so heavily um and i just you don't know prolific man i can't i can't do that i just don't know what to cut <laughs> no but this is i mean i think luckily enough i produced a story that is a tie into this young adult horror story that i'm wow. that i'm working on so i just like well what if while yeah, this is absolutely. happening over here while they're awakening this dark god what happens to the people over here okay that's awesome. And they I don't love know. So. the premise. Okay, cool. But yeah, well, if you have something, uh, I mean, March 1st is... Uh, March 1st? Is oh, the deadline, no. Dark Region Press. What's the minimum word count? <laughs> oh, I can't Do remember, you know? but I think it's I think it's 1,000 or 2,000. Okay, that's doable. I can do that. That's interesting. Okay. It's a very, yeah, it's very, survive the night. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting premise. It's very interesting. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, so I think that'll yeah. have to wrap up. I mean, we could probably talk uh, for yeah. hours, but uh, <laughs> we we probably have uh, we have stories to write. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, Christopher, yeah, thank you. This has been so fun, and yeah. I'm really um, looking forward to uh, reading your travels, and I'm also reading looking forward to reading your little survivor story. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to get one out in time, but <laughs> well, it has yeah. to be accepted first. We'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's that's. that's but true, but I'm thinking that I can I can save it. I can let it marinate and maybe Absolutely. and maybe yeah. Erie River has Got some it. some uh, submission that I can yeah. put put it towards. Um, Absolutely. So where can people find you on the internet? Um, DrewStarling.com hmm? is a good place. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. You know, Drew Starling. Uh, my Twitter is Scary Starling. Okay. Um, and my Facebook, I don't know the name of the actual URL. I think it's Drew Starling author mm-hmm. on Facebook. But uh, yeah, DrewStarling.com. It's got all the links. Yeah. So and, and all I'll, my stuff. I'll put that up in the, in the show notes. Uh, awesome. This episode is obviously is available anywhere you get your podcasts: uh, Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all those good places you can find awesome. it. So. You can. Uh, I'll uh, send you a link to it once uh, it's up. I'm hoping to get it out uh, by tomorrow evening, uh, seeing as I'm going to Egypt on Sunday. Oh. So. Oh my, that's awesome. Well, maybe I'll get some pleasure. inspiration from some old mummies or something. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. But yes, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, have fun. <laughs> yeah, I will. Well, thank you for talking to us, and uh, okay, we'll talk later. Well, welcome back, and uh, as I said. It was a wonderful conversation, wonderful interview. Uh, Drew Starling is absolutely fabulous, uh, interesting to talk to, and I hope uh, you can tell how easy it was. I know I got to talk a lot too, <laughs> promoting some of my stuff a little bit too, but this is, a, this is a, a podcast about writing and the process of writing, so I have a lot of questions uh, myself and you know reflect a little bit about the process of getting published and stuff like that, and that's initially what this podcast was really all about it was to satisfy my interest uh and hopefully spread some of that uh intrigue your interest to get some answers out there to you as well that's that for this show uh you can follow this podcast on instagram on facebook uh of course and on twitter all those show links all the links will be in the show notes uh, but also, I would like to extra thank. I would like to thank Drew for taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, you can find him on DrewStarling.com uh, or Facebook, uh, Drew Starling Author.
but you can also find him on Twitter as well. Uh, but all those links in the show notes. Uh, tell a friend, uh, you know, share this podcast so we get more pe- uh, people listening to it. You can find the podcast on Anchor and on Stitcher and Spotify and most places where you can find good podcasts. Just look for w.a.r.g the guild or hyphen the guild and you'll find us uh yeah hopefully talk to you soon i'm going to be off to egypt for a little bit then i'll be coming back uh for more interviews stay safe and we'll talk to you when uh, i'll see you next time the sun was in front.